All right, so we start off the year with Eric Romer's The Green Ray or Larry of Earth. So to start off, uh, Romer's films, uh, you know, being as talky or talkative as they are, uh, are not easy to be you know, talked about at length. So with that caveat, let's start uh, with the initial set of uh, impressions like we do every week. So, Kritik, uh, would you like to go ahead? Can I jump in for a quick second? Yeah, uh, sure. I just wanted to make a quick announcement to anyone who's listening, either on YouTube or on the podcast, that our applications are open. So if you want to join our group and you want to be a part of the Art House project, there will be a link in the description. So please take a look. and. And yeah, the applications are open for I think the next week, one next one week or so. So so yeah, please please drop in your application and then hopefully we can see you in the club. So yeah, Kritik, please go ahead. Um yeah, so just as a first impression type of thing, uh, it was really moving to see this uh, woman uh, just pass through people and places feeling completely hollow. Uh, wanting company and uh, yet pushing everyone away from her. Uh, these contradictions within her that we see like is like totally identifiable to everyone and also really extremely uh, interesting to watch. And uh, yeah, I think that's my first impressions. Okay. So, Mohammed, uh, you know, you've only seen 50 minutes, but still would really like to go ahead and add something oh. um, so what i what kritik has kritik has said the same thing but i felt that she's justifying herself every time people ask her why don't you like meet then she starts giving justification one by one one by one and it's pretty evident that she's feeling lonely but when people try to help her she doesn't want to get get that help and it's that depression. She just want to be alone. That's a very peculiar, peculiar uh, character. What I am seeing for the first time. I have never seen uh, such a character in real life. I have seen, but in movies, none of the movie have been able to project this lady as uh, means uh, as perfectly as what we are seeing in the movie. It's really uh, beautiful to see this lady going through her. Uh, thoughts and loneliness. Yeah, that's from my end. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Okay, uh, Makina. Uh, you... Okay. Oh, he, he, I think he's, 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 he's not able to speak, but he's. Okay, I just wanted to check. Anyways, okay, yeah, then you can go ahead, Vivek. Okay. So I had a very middle of the road reaction to the film. And mm-hmm. some somehow this this seems to be the case with Romer for me. And either I really love his films, or either I, you know, they, they they don't work for me. And some of his films I'm fond of. So I remember liking Bakery Girl of Monzo, and uh, can't remember the other titles. But some his his popular films I don't don't like. Uh, Claire's Knee is the most popular Romer I I think do not like that film and i this, this might be the second most popular maybe um, mm-hmm. 
I I mean I I, I don't have major complaints against it, but I don't love it either. So that that's what I stand in terms of reactions. Uh, but but Romer does that, no? He like he finds a character and then he spends a lot of time developing and uh, share, sharing the character's personality with you and then letting them lose in, in their circumstances, trying to survive. And it, it just so happens, that like, like Mohammed was saying, this lady is pitying herself. And it's, it's, not, it's not a healthy position to be in. And I mean, there's a lot more to be said about that. We'll talk about it as the discussion progresses. But yeah, first reaction, you know, couldn't connect with the character. And overall, I, I thought it was a decent film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. So, <laughs> I, for a change, I absolutely love Romer. Um, I was introduced to him in probably 2013, and I watched around 15 of his films in the next 20 days, like nonstop. I was watching him. I was just enamored by him at that point of time. So, I just love him. So, this is probably uh, my most favorite or second most favorite film of Romer. So when we really talk about Roma's body of work, right, there are two sets of films that we usually talk about. One is the Six Moral Tales, which he did in his uh, in the 60s. And uh, the other one is uh, Comedies and Proverbs, the set of six films that he made in the 80s. And this is The Green Ray is the fifth among the six films in Comedies and Proverbs. So, the, you know, uh, the first you know, thing or element of the film that I absolutely love is the cinematography here. This is shot in 16mm, grainy, very lively colors. I just absolutely love the cinematography. Usually, Romer's cinematography or, you know, his use of camera, static shots can feel a bit, you know, a bit trap at times. But this is something that I, this film is something that I absolutely love. And uh, he actually shot this film with a crew of four people, very minimal and with a lot of non-professional actors. And it, this was actually co-written by Meredith Fear, who is the protagonist of the film. And uh, most of the dialogues were actually improvised. Right? He, he barely uh, you know, had written a script for this. He had an idea in his head. And uh, you know, of course, the climax was, uh, uh, was something that he had actually planned uh, beforehand. But all of the other episodes in the story, the scenes that we see, the conversations, most of it is actually improvised and which actually lends this, you know, loose quality to a film which, you know, becomes very freewheeling, which I absolutely adore about this film. Right. And uh, and uh, and also the fact that uh, because of the improvised nature of everything in the film, right, it feels so naturalistic, right? It's almost uh, almost feels like a documentary at times, a documentary about the French summer or the French cult of the summer holidays, right? That's another thing that I absolutely love. Um, That's true that the Romero's films, they, they have this, you know, pre-mumblecore thing going yeah. on with them. So, so, so they do feel very grounded and believable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe not documentary, but uh, I would say at at moments it definitely felt like home video footage. You know, 
yes yes that, that was very intentional yeah spending time with the family in the backyard and listening mm. to them so yep. i totally get whether where that's coming from yes so th- this film uh, or you know roma cinema in itself right uh, his the the defining feature of roma's film philosophy or all of his films is conversations right so all of his films right from his early days uh, because roma he actually is a, a strange kind of figure in the french new wave right so he was one of the founding members of cahiers du cinema which is you know the the most important institution in the french new wave from which the writers eventually became uh, filmmakers in the 60s and uh, by the time the new wave you know officially started with you know 400 blows and breathless during 59 60 that period of time romans was already 40 years of age he was born in around uh, in the early 20s if i'm not wrong so he was actually quite a bit older than the than the other guys like you know Truffaut, Godard, uh, these people who were actually coming up uh, in the early days of the French New Wave. So, in you know, actually, he had a very close relationship with uh, Sartre as well. And uh, at that point of time, in the late '40s, Sartre used to run a magazine called Le Temps Modern, for which he had actually written a <coughs> actually uh, it's called um, I mean it's sort of a manifesto. It's titled for a talking cinema. right in which he kind of argued the create argued for the creation of a you know very dialogue heavy dialogue centered style of film right which will in his opinion would necessarily mark the cinema's avant-garde right so that's something that he actually practiced all through his life right he started he's actually uh, his first international acclaim came in the late 1960s with the uh, minited mods and after that he was you know a festival circuit favorite for a lot many years and even till his uh, demise uh, in 2010 he was 90 years old he was still making films and all of his films were you know had 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 traits which were you know clearly visible from his first film so i mean a true mark of an auteur right so with that right uh, so at at the core of this film is the protagonist right how the character of the protagonist you know is built up through these uh, scenes um, you know as uh, you know as she starts to prepare for the vacation to the almost the end of the vacation uh, which we see at the climax right so and that's one again one of the reasons why i love this film i i emotionally connect with the protagonist a lot with this character of delphine and i i can see many people who who will do that you know it's it's a very universal character something you know almost like in hamlet right many people can connect to these kind of characters so let's have a round of you know uh, thoughts around the character itself how it developed and with how, what you thought about the lead character critic would you like i to have write? a question if yeah. if i can ask sure would you say romer's films are designed to put the philosophy in the forefront more more than any other aspect um philosophy is yeah of course it's a, it's one of the important aspects so the most important aspect is conversation people talking to each other right and that those talks can be about anything it's usually about love mostly it can be about mm-hmm. art culture philosophy all of it figures very heavily right But the conversations serve a greater purpose, right? Like you said, yes. they're either talking about history, they're talking about art, they're talking about life, and so yes. on. Yes. Yes. So, so when, I mean, he 
yeah mm. he genuinely felt or believe that conversations are you know are the avenues or is the avenue through which we grow in life we change as individuals our you know moral values the values that we uh, you know imbibe throughout the course of our lives all of that happen through conversation so usually what used to happen is he used to before any film when he you know selected his actors actresses he used to actually have lengthy conversations with them and um, along myriad lines right many subjects you know art history about the film itself everything and he used to actually record those conversations and eventually if he, when he actually wrote the dialogues of the film uh he actually included those you know snippets from those conversations which he had actually recorded earlier so that it becomes very natural for the actors in the film so conversations so are he... yeah no sorry go ahead yeah yeah go ahead no in a way he's retrofitting the character to the person yeah. he has met yes okay okay that makes a lot of sense sorry you were saying something yeah i mean uh, let's have a round of thoughts on the character itself the lead character what people thought about her uh, again yeah krithik would you want to go ahead uh yeah i uh, at times some of uh, the uh, i believe her name is called delphine her actions are quite like uh, absurd and unpredictable and so i find it i found it quite humorous even though it's it was uh, probably not very funny for her and was uh, but i really really uh, found this movie funny for some reason mm-hmm. her uh, just constantly pushing people from uh, you know when she's at the uh, d- uh, lunch party or whatever dinner party and she's mm-hmm. there she's constantly uh, pushing people away and bringing up uh, uh, the uh, creating guilt in others for something they have been uh, born and brought up in uh, with the meat eating path right and yeah. she's like pushing people away but she's also really honest and she's trying to start a conversation in the wrong way also and it was just really funny and this uh, multiple times you see her constantly refusing this and that uh, refusing to join other peoples uh, and also refusing to go alone until she actually does do it uh hmm. when she goes to the i see the beach what's the final location she went to uh i forgot the name the <laughs> the uh, B- ballerit yeah some something yeah i think ballerit was the last place she went to like after that and... they go to the little town right where the woodworker is supposed to work that's yeah that happens i suppose after the movie yeah, right yeah. oh does it okay it ends with them like let's go like uh like they ask each other out or something but yeah i found mm-hmm. this i found the whole character really humorous and uh, uh f- for some reason her crying so much uh, was like also uh, okay i'll get back to that point later onwards but that that's all i have to say for now mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that comedy part right so uh, it's a 90 minute film and up to up to let's say around 65 70 minutes right it almost feels like an inconsequential comedy with uh, you know with people talking almost nonsense right <laughs> most of the conversations which are happening were very airy fairy and that scene that you mentioned about when when she actually very aggressively defends her vegetarianism right and she says like uh, 
I, I, one sentence that sticks in my head is lettuce is more like a friend. <laughs> I absolutely love that. So yeah, uh, there are certainly comedic aspects uh, uh, in the film. Adding to that, actually, mm-hmm. coincidentally, today something happened. Uh, we went for a pizza party, and there was two people, um, and they don't take non-veg. So what happened? Pizza we ordered, and these two people, they were stubborn that we are not going to eat it because pizza. We said okay, veg pizza, no, you can eat no. They said no because the same pan or the same vessels are used for uh, cooking uh, non uh, non-veg. So we can't go against. Uh, these things uh that rituals so but the point was other people no we were 11 people all other we were really feeling bad we were like making them commit uh some crime or something the thing was uh, these people know if they know what we are going to do then why join us and when they join us why they try to mold us or try to put some uh what is it a trouble they put us in a trouble troublesome situation where we can't uh, exclude them neither we can include them because they have that's a very complicated situation what these such people do so today i had experience and that character was i was really connecting with that lady you know whatever she's saying those same dialogues were being said or refreshed by my two friends today so it was really i was able, able to connect with those dialogues very much yeah yeah people you know really become militants when it comes to defending their food choices <laughs> no it's not just food choices it, it seems that pe- people get very attached to w- whatever commitments they've made it could be politics or it could be about uh, food hmm. and if if yeah. something doesn't align with their opinion then people just you know go go to hell and back try to make their point and try to you know come across as the most reasonable option mm. and that's what she was doing in this film that uh, okay they 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 even asked her like can can we get you from this something from the store so you can eat it yeah exactly said, no, exactly yeah no it's fine she doesn't want to eat uh, mm. but at the same time she was also going on and on about uh, hey did you felt bad for the violence you saw at the butcher shop so how how you should still feel bad when you're buying meat at the supermarket and uh, in a way you know she's asking people to make conscious choices and it could be about uh, food or it could be about environment it, 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 anyways but there's a better way to say it and and there's a time and place to say it hmm. and she was not not asked for those opinions or uh, they they did not they did not invite that conversation but she felt so justified that you know she's on this path to righteousness that she has to let the world know why why she's in, in going in this this direction so and it troubles her that nobody's convinced and in fact she's she's turning out to be a little annoying to the rest of the uh, people on the dinner table and yeah i'm not sure if i i don't think it has to it has to do anything with uh vegetarian food as such it it could be anything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So close mindedness yeah, yeah not just yeah. food yeah it's yeah. one thing to say that okay i i eat something and i don't eat something end of story and move on hmm. and 
like Mohammed said, if you know that you're going to a place where you don't have an option, um, e either you, you know, make your arrangements, you eat before you go, or, you know, you just sit there with a glass of water and enjoy the company. Uh, yeah, but, it really hurts us. They are not uh, taking anything and still, and we are not able to eat also. It, embarrassment, really embarrassment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And the, this happens, this happened to a friend of mine who recently, not recently, a few years ago, quit alcohol. And she said that a lot of the interactions and socializing happens around alcohol. And what do you do? Uh, because if you, Imagine you go to a club or you go to a pub and you say no to alcohol. It's it's the strangest thing, right? <laughs> so so yeah, it, this this militant aspect of it, it comes from insecurity, I think. This is a, actually a neuroscience-based explanation for this. This is called backfire effect, right? So uh, there was a study done in one of the US universities sometime back. So what it kind of posits is that uh, the 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 part of the brain which actually responds to physical threats right threats of violence and everything the same part of the brain actually responds to to an intellectual threat as well right an opinion which goes against your ideologies or your beliefs so i think that part of the brain is called amygdala or something like that so it, it, we are kind of wired to react to threatening information the same way we would react to a Predator. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Medulla, I think. Medulla, Obgon, Geta, something. Yeah. Somewhere no, it's I called the it. amygdala. A -M -Y oh, amygdala, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amygdala. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a uh, interesting theory, guys. You guys uh, should I go ahead with it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh so I was thinking like there was like a uh, uh, a book was mentioned in it, uh, The Green Ray. And mm -hmm. uh, I think there was one more uh, book mentioned. The Idiot. Dostoevsky's Idiot. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've not read that one. But this one, kind of, uh, this movie, or at least the main character, really reminded me of uh, uh, The Catcher and the Rye. You know? <laughs> uh, they're just roaming around the city, episodes of meeting people, wanting company, yet pushing each other away. And uh, the um, unprompted crying, and that's what really got my mind moving on that idea. Yes. I mean, yeah, the, what do you guys think about that? I actually feel a lot of empathy for this character because, as I said, I connect very deeply to this character. Right? She's, you know, kind of caught between, you know, idealistic opinions. You know, he, she, he's very determined to find uh, love for on her own terms and if she will not settle for less at one point one of her friends asks her right uh, would uh, you know would you like prince charming charming or would you like something <laughs> so she sees very very you know clear in her head that she would not compromise right she would rather be unhappy than compromise on her expectations from life right so she's caught between these obstinacy and melancholy as a result of her obstinacies right so that's something i relate to it relate to quite a lot do you think that's because of idealization that she has a picture in her mind of who this person is going to be? It has to be, you know, 
really handsome and really intellectual and really romantic and um, XYZ. I, I, Unless I the criteria is met, she, uh-huh. she will not go ahead. Do you think that? Yeah, I mean, it's not a criteria. I think what she's looking for is organic connection, right? We mm. see all through the film that it's very difficult for her to connect to even her friends, her family, whoever she meets. She's like literally flees away from potential suitors also when she meets people uh, on her, you know, aborted vacations, three trips that she takes. One of them was a cigarette seller. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, so connection is rare. So she's looking for that organic connection. And that's why the ending, the climax becomes so, so poignant, right? So transcendent. So, yeah, nice segue to the climax. Uh, So the green ray, right? The literal green ray. So Roman actually thought that he would be able to film that, but uh, after a lot of aborted attempts, uh, she could not. Uh, so what he did was actually use some uh, you know, visual effects at that point of time in '86, and uh, you know it's very moving. I, I feel it's the most. It's not licensed ta- footage. I thought this would be available easily in like some some library to license from. I don't know whether in 86 it was or not, but ultimately she he could not film it and he had to resort okay. to a visual effect. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's the only visual effect in the film, right? Everything is naturalistic. And everything. so it's, it's, I think it's the tiniest and the most moving special effect in uh, one of the actually uh, moving uh, in all cinema. So yeah, coming to the climax, uh, what are your thoughts around that? Vivek, would you like to go in? Yeah. I f- okay. I found out today that that this whole green ray thing that happens in the end, right? Mm. It has not been visible on DVD for the longest time. The people who saw it on VHS, people who saw it on DVD, mm. there, there is some color correction issue because of which like you, you don't see it. Imagine what like watching the film on DVD and this payoff never oh, arrives. How, <laughs> how do you make how sense of the film? <laughs> You can make sense of it. It's just that you have to use your imagination. That yeah, I mean, it'll something magical happened here. It'll feel like a. It'll feel very unsatisfying, right? If you end and you know, or if you there is no payoff at the end. Ah, yeah, that too. If you have color, there will be no payoff at the end. There's no payoff for for the film. Uh, Thankfully, some some new restoration by Arrow Video came out, Uh and now people can see this nice green glint. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You can go to YouTube and apparently the name is uh, Green Flash. That's what that's the most common terminology I found out today. So if you search Green Flash on YouTube, you can see this green ray effect mm-hmm. happening. And now, you know, people can zoom to the moon. So capturing the sun, uh, sunset is no problem. So you, you get really high def videos with very clean detail yeah. if you're into that. And speaking of the climax, yeah, I, so I I thought this film would be, you know, one of those uh, mumblecore uh, relationship movies, kind of like Before Sunrise in a way. That that's what I expected it to be, hmm. and not saying my exp- I, I mean my expectation expectations weren't met, but I wasn't disappointed because of that. Uh, it, it that only happens towards the last fifteen minutes or so, hmm. and 
but uh, if if i if i can go back to the character talk that we have, we were having hmm. i found it a little difficult to sympathize for this character and this is completely subjective hmm. because you know here she is she's this young woman living in paris uh, and apparently she's wealthy enough to take multiple international trips uh, at her whims fan, uh, fancy she wants to go to greece there you go tomorrow she's going to greece she wants to go to sweden next next thing you know she's in sweden so she's living a good life by metrics for most of the world and her disdain is that she cannot meet good people and my what i observed in the film is that the problem is not that she can't meet people the problem is her insecurity has got the best of her and that is not the right place for anyone to begin a relationship we all have moments of self doubt there's nothing wrong about that we all face situations in life where we think that i'm not sure if this is the person i want to be right and that's the time for us to reflect on ourselves what what we want from our lives and what our goals are in life and how can you be a better person and all these things you you do that you find yourself you grow your confidence you work towards things that give give your life meaning and when you feel you're in a healthy place that's when you start a relationship and i was slightly worried for her to be honest in the film because she's so insecure and that people who are insecure are often targeted by uh how do i say this Pe- people who manipulate others i guess I, i i i don't know if there's a word for it but but yeah she she could get into a very dangerous or toxic relationship because it seems much of her validations comes from the fact that whether she has a partner or not so in such a situation what can possibly have happen is that let's say a guy comes in says beautiful nice things to her and instead of you know red flags going off that uh why why is this person so so nice to be uh you can interpret that as this person is the only one who sees me for who i am it's a possibility i'm not saying it's a guarantee and this can happen to e- either of the person right it can happen to guys as well it can happen to girls as well and yeah i, I was slightly worried that she gets into a wrong relationship and the film is going to go south then i it kind of seems like that has already happened in her past okay could you could you elaborate what do you mean by that yeah you know, the kind of emotional place that she is in you know, at the time of the film right seems like mm-hmm. she has had a series of either toxic relationships or relationships where she you know relationships which you know felt inadequate to her right mm-hmm. so 
I, I kind of felt like uh, you know the, she had ha- she has had her share of troubles in that area. Do we know what happened? Why why have they separated? Not uh, really. Not John really. Pierre and this 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 lady. No, we we just hear no? that you're dumping me, and we don't even see him. But you know that uh, that particular sentence informs the rest of the film, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> So her insecurities might have uh, taken born, have born because she was ditched or dumped, and she's afraid that if I get into a relationship again, um, she will also be rejected or something. Uh, don't know how to put it, but the phobia, that phobia that people will ultimately reject me in a long run. So. that might be one cause for her insecurities um, that's my theory i don't know. and to be fair her her claim was quite valid in the sense that all the people we see her interact with um, either you know they were not seeking a relationship or either they were you know not not in the right zone uh, for a relationship at least with the with the two boys at the rooftop cafe they they were not in for a relationship at least it doesn't didn't seem like it the interaction that they had was uh let's all uh enjoy the evening together and that that seemed to be the end of it so and to be honest it's 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 so hard to even identify uh that connection right like so many people you meet so how do you know which which one goes in that direction so yeah so i i'm kind of with her on that even though i don't sympathize with this character much that when she says that i i do try to meet people and i just haven't found someone like that yeah I, at least in in the duration of the film i i could totally see that um i wanted to bring up one more point if i may uh, about the role of the friends you know uh, all of them are trying to help her talk it out still uh, she seems to you know uh, re- keep them uh, out you know when friends are trying to help us but what i feel you know when we are sad or something uh, something has happened bad and we are not able to cope up with that sadness we are not able we are not capable enough to tell our friends that what is happening in my head but the friends think that no you are being adamant you are being uh, stubborn you don't want to change that sentence no she is that uh, lady in red she says that you are being adamant and this and that but i felt that this lady no protagonist when she is struggling to figure out her own thoughts when she herself is struggling uh, how come you will understand me that is the point she was trying to convey and most of thing this thing happens with all friends you know when we distance ourselves for a time we want to figure it out what is happening in our own head and at that time uh, at least we have to friends should understand that point also uh, the principal character delphi her complaint was that 
she barely sees them anymore. So at one point of time, they were great friends, but you know, they're all busy in their own lives, in their own jobs and all these things. So the little time they do spend together, it's always about having fun and being cheerful. So there is no opportunity for uh, a more personal conversation. And since that has not happened, so she feels that it's unfair to expect her to talk about all, all the intricate details of why she's, you know, where she is in life. So, so yeah, like you said, you when you grow a distance between your friends, it's hard to expect the same level of, um, can't find the word for it, but, but yeah, the same level of camaraderie or the same level of, um, yeah, ease in, with each you can talk to each other. Yeah, I mean the advice that she gets, it's, it's mostly reasonable, right? Very some 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 of the advice is pretty sound that you must pull yourself out, you should stop living in your head so much and all of that. So, but I felt she was little harsh towards that protagonist. <laughs> yeah, the the red, the lady in the red, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm correct. I am with you on that. She even says I'm I'm harsh to my friends because I want. I want to shake them up and yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if those, those are the tactics uh, worth following. Yeah, ultimately we have to figure it out for ourselves, at least partially uh, before we take help from outer world or from our friends. We have to what you know negotiate with our own self first uh, before we take others suggestion or or be open to them or open to the suggestion of the world yeah even friends <laughs> you know this is new year no this movie really makes sense that uh, when to group when to be with friends and yeah this movie teaches a lot i have just watched 50 minutes but still it conveys a lot of thing about a person's loneliness a personal life and a social life lot of things <laughs> Okay, so moving on from that, uh, unless anyone has anything else to add on that part. Uh, another point uh, in the film, right, uh, which I wanted to talk about was uh, the, the which I said in the beginning, right, the French cult of the summer holidays, right? So many of Roma's films play on this theme, right? You know, the, Roma's films, at least five of them can be called as French summer movies, right? And summer in in france it's very diff different from uh, what is it uh, what it is in us or any other part of the world right so usually in france people get around five weeks of vacation during summer during, around july august that time frame and that that becomes sort of a um, sort of an institutionalized part of adulthood right uh, whereas in the us uh, when you talk about summer films right it's usually you know uh, coming of age, teenage to adulthood kind of stories, which generally fit into that category, but it's very different uh, in the context of France or French films, right? Um, so uh, in this particular film, right, so the title cards that we see in between scenes, right, these are, uh, we see dates, right, 
we start from around 8th or 18th July and we go till almost the end of our vacation somewhere around end of August or mid-August, right? Uh, so through those title cards, I felt that, you know, I, I got a sense of a sort of a looming threat, right? That, you know, your days are numbered sort of. Uh, you have to make the most of whatever days are left in your vacation and uh, uh, the DL vacation that Delphine talks about. That will never happen. That that threat is you know almost persistent um, throughout the film, and this continuous pressure to enjoy your summer, enjoy your holidays, your vacation. Any true, I was, true. I was wondering why why we are seeing this Monday, Tuesday, you know, title cards come in yeah. because structurally it, it's very jarring, right? Instead of cutting to the next scene, next progression in the story, you have this five second title card and the title card is also very like you know mm, handwritten, handwritten sketch pen mm -hmm. kind of thing uh, so one, why why would you even do this why there's nothing here that that's demanding this and then then it struck me that you know she says oh i have two weeks left and i, I need to then it all came together that okay it's 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 you know she she's trying to visualize how, how much time she has and mm -hmm how much emphasis she puts on every single day. Yep. Uh, even though she, she has perfectly nice days, they're not good enough because it's not a, you know, idealized vacation day. Mm. So just, just like, you know, we talked about the ideal romantic partner. She has some picture in her mind about what an ideal vacation day is like. And yep. un until those, I don't know if I can call it criteria, but uh, unless those, um, ideas that she has are, are fulfilled she will not be satisfied with it hmm. can we talk about that a little bit also that what's up with this idealization thing yeah because it, it yeah. is something that is that's gotten worse over the years absolutely with, with the advent of social media it's it's hmm. the worst that it has ever been right yeah. case what in point was on instagram is what everyone dreams of <laughs> yeah 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 there's always this constant pressure to you know live up to others' expectations, if not your, yeah. only yours. So constant Earlier pressure. Earlier, it used to... to be a wedding thing that you know you've you've seen <laughs> grand ceremonies and all these things mm -hmm. in, in films, so you you want to live up to those ideas. Or you've mm -hmm. seen grand ceremonies at your friend's wedding that it's mm -hmm. all about one-upping each other and keeping up with the Jones uh, yeah. kind of thing. But now it's in every aspect of life. Everything. Yep. Uh, what's your summer vacation like, and what's your winter clothing like? And I, I don't even know. I don't have any social media accounts, so <laughs> I, I don't know what the rat race is on about these days. Yeah. What What can be uh, What can be inferred about this whole idealization thing that we have? Uh, uh, actually, when I have a, I have a theory about this. You know, people posting their wedding, posting whatever. Even if they have a lunch or a, a, a simple breakfast, they put it on Instagram or anything. I feel that they're insecure. They want to. They want people to know that I am doing great in my life. That uh, I have something to share to the world. But whereas people who are really enjoying their time with their friends, with their family. They don't have time to post these all things, nonsense things on uh, social media. Uh, that is what I 
this is my theory because i have observed because i have kept a track that okay this person daily for uh, for every 8 hours some per, per, this person is putting something but in real life you know he is really unhappy really unhappy he is unable to connect with us unable to talk uh, he doesn't have anything to share no interesting thing what he has done about his talents about his hobbies about his uh, what new learning he has done or anything new there is no newness so what what these people do is simple thing making making these photos uh, these things and telling the world that yeah i'm fine i'm perfect uh, everything is go everything goody goody in my life then <laughs> i really laugh at these people i i'm i'm not angry at them but only mm. thing is they are suffering a lot that's all they are suffering it's, it's an image that everyone is trying to portray right that see how happening my life is so everything everyone is trying to live up to that that expectation or that ideal of the perfect human <laughs> Yeah, I was just about to bring up the perfect human that you know everyone's trying to sell their life as the most perfect, and like Mohammed said, it's often for validation that they they want to feel assured that what I'm doing is is great. And the the problem with that, the problem with this insecurity or problem with seeking validation from others is that you end up living your life for them. You know, you you end up doing things. for instagram or for youtube just to show off that this yeah I, i really did this i but in the process you forget about the things that bring you joy the things you care about the things you're passionate about those get left behind and yeah people who seek that lifestyle i guess you know it's all about clout and being famous and all these things Yeah, once you're famous, you'll you'll have a lot of people following you and a lot of people talking to you. But how many of those people mean something to you? So, doesn't matter if you have fifty followers or five thousand followers on Twitter. Those uh, those people don't exist in your life. They're just a number on on a website. And these people have this concept that uh, if you have if you want to be happy, you have to be famous. Uh, that concept no that uh, if you are simple you can lead a very happy life you don't need to have n number of friends n number of things going on continuously in your life um, mm-hmm. this con i don't know why it is happening in our society but that's that is really dangerous with people uh, that is what i feel uh, with this lady no what is what she is trying to do is that she want to tell people that i have a boyfriend i mm. do have a boyfriend I just uh, we are not in a good terms now this only this what what uh, she says more than that the little girl mm-hmm. who asks right she says i have more than one boyfriend sometimes i'm with this guy sometimes <laughs> i'm with that guy so as if you know the number of boyfriends is is like the, the, the number in your bank account the more is better no it's not <laughs> so it's quite ridiculous um, So, so this need for relationship is oh, what's going on with that? Well, on one hand, you do want a relationship, and on the other hand, you're also troubled by it. Uh, so, so that part actually feels a bit dated, right? But then, then again, it's the eighties. You know, uh, there are certain social conventions more at play, which you know 
would of course be dated in today's day and age right but finding a mate especially in the context of a, a woman in her late 20s that of course mm-hmm. was a very big part of her life at that point in time mm-hmm. no i'm questioning whether she she needs a relationship because uh, you know that that's what she wants in life or it does she need a relationship like mohammed said for validation not really then uh, that that's the thing right uh, she just she doesn't want just anybody right uh, anyone on the uh, she she is looking for a connection a real genuine connection mm. i mean there is a societal pressure aspect to it as well of course as it is as it was then as it is now but yeah but she, i mean all throughout the film that that is that is the emotional core of the film right that she is not she's not ready to compromise on her expectations how however idealistic that may seem to us but she is not ready to do that but isn't a good relationship a healthy compromise between two partners absolutely yes right absolutely i mean and you you might find the perfect person but after a while uh, mm-hmm. both of you have to meet each other on some common ground it can't be always the guy's way or the girl's way at all times that is not healthy at all so uh here i would like to say something very contradictory uh one thing what i have observed why it is happening in our society that uh, the perfect the the perfect partner this concept no this serials especially serials and most of the movies what they project in movies most of the uh, mainstream movies they don't show the struggle between a partner real struggle you know a simple a lunch uh, while cooking taking bath what kind of conversation you have with your partner they don't show simple conversation when when you uh, wash your clothes no does this movie don't capture those uh, in, um, instances in a partner's life whereas they just show okay in deepavali they are doing this thing okay they are enjoying they are very happy in in ramzan it shows that they are very happy with their kids with festivity all around and this thing you know, for example for myself when i watched this movie and this i thought okay i'll have a perfect person like this who will always agree with my opinion who will be more uh, she will agree to, to my tastes she will uh, cook what, what i like this all came you know in because of this serial serial and movies where where we see that uh, because husband doesn't like uh, uh, bagan kadi uh, she she start uh, leaving that or uh, fasting fasting thing that my let my husband live hundreds of hundreds of years she this do does such things when i watched you no know, these things actually uh, even now when i analyze myself what kind of wife or partner i want those things again come to my mind and that idealization has ingrained my in my psyche that if i don't get what if what if i don't get it's better not to try also and i feel this character is going through that same thing that that uh, whatever whoever co- partner comes he may not reach to that expectation of ideal idealistic partner sorry i have criticized lot of movies because no, movies show honest? that mm-hmm. uh, you you will never find a perfect partner and that has nothing to do with you it is yeah. <laughs> how how the world works are you a perfect perfect man 
never no right no no, no. I, i don't think i can call myself either uh, and say same is you know for your partners they they're, they're just people just like you you know mm. i always say a person comes first and then is the other aspects whether it's male female indian american european whatever so first first and foremost everyone is a person and just like we are we're not a perfect person they may also not be a perfect person they may have some flaws they may, they may be working on some things to be better at and hopefully the best quality you can at least the best quality one of the best qualities i would seek for in a partner is um someone who can um learn from each other at all times and and grow as a person i think i i find that fascinating if i can see my partner uh, grow as a person and that inspires me to grow as a person and yeah so you, you build support you help each other that kind of thing so what what you're seeing in movies is escapism right mainstream films mm. are for escapism mm. they they're selling you a fantasy so uh, mohammed i don't know if you've seen it or not but uh, <laughs> a film which is really close to my heart about uh, this is specifically about marital relationship but any any amorous relationship or romantic relationship right it's bugman scenes from a marriage uh, you might try mm. that out oh please God. please share please. on the please share the link give up on the, the whole idea of marriage <laughs> 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 apparently mohammed i just, i should warn you Mm-hmm. Aruna has suggested this, but take it with a big <laughs> grain of salt. Take it with a teaspoon of salt, because <laughs> apparently that film has caused thousands of divorces. That's what oh my say. goodness! <laughs> There was a you know tsunami of divorces in Europe after that was released. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baba! So, if you want, okay, I'll be cautious. <laughs> but in my viewing experience i have never seen anything which comes close to that in depicting a romantic relationship <laughs> or what familiarity does to a romantic relationship <laughs> at some point the, the fascination goes away right like yeah the attraction you have to a person is mostly because you want to learn more about them know know who this person is after a few months or after a few years you know each other very well maybe too well and do you still want to be with that person after that the, 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 that is the interesting question mm-hmm. can you accept, uh, accept all the shortcomings and flaws of the person uh, and help them overcome these to a certain degree and at the same time can they do that for you and if you have that mutual agreement then the relationship is in a good state i i'll type i'll type it in the chat uh, mohammed he's asking for the name of the film oh, okay okay <laughs> yeah so moving on from or taking the point from what mohammed was mentioning that uh, Delphine here is kind of reluctant to. She's still so you know stuck in her head about that idealistic, uh, idealistic you know image of a perfect partner, a perfect uh, boyfriend, 
but she's you know reluctant to even take that first step to actually engage with someone try to connect with someone and that that's why the the climax of the final scene feels cathartic right that she is actually taking that step i mean she is still waiting for that external validation from the green ray but she uh, i mean it's still progress right so that's how i see it, the the climax that's how i see it hey there is something i want to bring up and i noticed this that this this lady puts a lot of stock into superstition yes she, the she science, has this yes. hmm. yeah she she has this thing where she's going to find a playing card hmm. uh, on the street and she reads it like a sign that hmm. based on the card i find it it defines what kind of day i will have or what hmm. what kind of week i will have and she she puts a lot of stock into the ast- horoscope astrology capricorn sagittarius that kind of thing hmm. and those are so you know broadly written that if you want to believe it, it you you might think it's written specifically for you so and then again with with the green ray that she has this person who's really into her right next to her <laughs> but the sunset will tell her if this is the right person or not yeah so i wonder what what can be inferred from these hints in the film why why did the director make make this character so superstitious because most of the people are <laughs> superstitious <laughs> Uh, that is not because um, this sign thing no actually i have experimented with myself uh, i did two experiment that first i will read the my horoscope then i will observe the day second experiment was okay i'll observe my day then go back to horoscope and i will test that whatever uh, they have written hypothesis that this is going to happen uh, in today uh, whether it has happened um, so <laughs> the second hypothesis have always proved true that is i'll observe my day then go and read my horoscope and pretty much all things are mentioned yeah this is what is going to happen okay yeah yeah you will plan a with uh, party with your friends a uh, lot of uh, uh, expenses will be be careful don't spend more than uh, your capabilities <laughs> that was all written uh, and see um, I'm, though I am a math and science teacher, based on my experience, I can say that this horoscope, whatever they are mentioning, no, I it seems there has some connection, definitely, because my what to say, uh, scientific investigation proves that yeah, they have very connected uh, hypothesis. Yeah, as Vivek said, they are broadly given, broadly given. Um, if we read and observe our day we start recognizing such things only it's better not to do that instead do the reverse thing and uh, correct yourself that is what i have did uh, i have I've just question. experimented mm-hmm. so how many how many signs are there like 12 or 14 the zodiac signs 12 12 yeah, 12 12 yeah. so there are 7 billion people on earth Mm-hmm. Correct. Everybody falls into one of those categories, right? Twelve, twelve signs. Yeah. So 
7 billion divided by 12 could all of them have the exact same kind of day for them to fit into the horoscope is that possible? never 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 yeah and the reason they're written to in in a broad sense is because as a reader if you have faith in it if you believe it then you might correlate you know um, uh, how do i say you, you might you know um, connect the dots in your life that oh yeah, yeah this applies to that and that applies to that and somehow this was written specifically for me and that same newspaper is delivered to you know millions of homes hmm so how can it be specifically written to everyone it is yeah that's the mysterious part of the horoscope thing you know um the thing is if you read in the morning and when you go out you start recognizing those things only in the case of lady you know she read something that green thing is a good thing or omen thing what is happening and whenever she comes across a green thing she assumes that something bad is going to happen uh, that assumption no this green thing will happen bad for me only that's a very dangerous thing because they have given broadly and uh, capricorn uh, there are as you said there are millions of people but the situation or the context is isn't the same thing one student may be in a school the same uh, capricorn having sign may be in a uh, uh, different place or workplace so context matters uh, but this lady yeah not just this lady all the people they start uh, recognizing those factors highlight getting highlighted those factors unwantedly and i i truly believe um, i can openly say that this horoscope horoscope thing is a means rubbish thing we shouldn't depend on this we, we we have that right to create our own life every day we have opportunity to do something new uh, that's why i have stopped reading but to just i have no, experimented to believe in it i am not asking you to believe or not believe mm-hmm. just wanted you to think about it from this perspective and see if it still ho- makes sense to uh, yeah yeah what yeah. you were thinking mm-hmm. and you know there's a very very famous scientific phrase they say correlation does not mean causation yeah true true very so just because you know you you notice a correlation doesn't mean this happened because of that so that also has to be kept in mind but yeah nothing against horoscopes please people want to believe it that's their own thing some people read it for entertainment that's also fine uh, but yeah. but there are many people who depend on these things <laughs> even they want to de- make a business deal they see their horoscope consult their astrologers <laughs> yeah it's a very serious thing in our society very especially in india very serious yeah it's so i i remember we i was uh, we had a meeting set up uh, and the editor called me uh, congratulations i said why why are you congratulating we we're still doing the pitch we we've not we've not finished yet uh, so he said no they've asked you to meet on a thursday that means it's a lucky day and <laughs> you're going to get get the meeting and sure enough you know i walked out of that meeting with a check so uh, apparently thursday is a very auspicious day for some people so uh, scheduling a meeting on thursday means that you know the deal has to go through uh, 
So, yeah, yeah, some people do believe in that. Uh, but yeah, to each their own. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, is there anything that uh, anyone else would like to add about the film, or else probably we can wrap up? There's one last thing I want to ask, and I'm asking because I don't have an answer here. I was trying to find the meaning behind the use of colors in the film. Mm -hmm. There are few colors which are repeated in almost every scene. There's green, mm -hmm. there is blue, and uh, sometimes there's red here and there. Mm -hmm. But green, blue are the most constant. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's something I noticed as well, probably in the second or third viewing. Uh, so uh, the friend uh, with whom she goes on the first vacation, right, with her family, she uh, she is in a stable relationship. I mean, what seems stable to us, and she in almost every scene she has something in green in her clothing, right, either the top or the hairband, something, some accessory that I noticed was in green. And uh, another use of green was the bags that she carries. Mostly it was in off green color and the last guy that she meets with whom she uh, goes off for the final sojourn or final vacation or uh, trip, right? So that, she, uh, that guy is also carrying a green bag or off green bag. And in the middle, uh, whatever encounter she has uh, in the course of those three vacations, one in the Alps, one in the uh, one with that uh, Swedish girl, and all of that, she wears either yellow, blue, or red. So green is something that Romer, you know, keeping with the uh, title of the film, the Green Ray. Green is certainly being used as, uh, you know, the color of you know, optimism, love, whatever you might. I interpreted. Yeah, I struggle to figure out the color coding of the film. Usually I'm able to do it, but this film I wasn't able to come to a conclusion. So I was wanted to ask if anyone else was able to solve that aspect of the film. And there are situations where someone is wearing a red red shirt and then a green jacket or a blue jacket hmm. or a blue blue shirt and a green uh, green jacket, something like that. So then there are multiple co color combinations. Over. I'm sure there is some logic behind it, but I, I yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't solve it. Maybe if I watch it again, I might be able to pick it up, but right now I couldn't. So green features prominently in the cards also that she finds and also mm. in the, in the, in the sort of a, uh, flyer or a poster that she finds uh, attached to or st stuck to a electric pole, right? Where it says, uh, I forgot what it says. Uh, find right, yourself right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So find that, that is also find yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is one. Uh, somewhere yeah. I read that um, one who wears orange or prefer orange, they have Rajasik Kuna, means <coughs> dynamic personality forceful personality whereas blue blue shows that you are calm stable gentle uh, in the language of horoscope i am telling uh, they say one who <laughs> i don't know how uh, what connection it is with the movie whereas the green one as uh, arunav has said 
it's about regeneration or the opportunity uh, good thing happening uh, promising uh, promising things good things that is what i have read somewhere but i don't know this holds good for this movie no i i want to interject here for a second so i have taught classes on color psychology uh, at universities before and this is something i asked my students to do as well is i showed them a bunch of clips and asked them to decode what what it means and the truth is any color can mean anything at any point uh, i know it sounds bizarre but it, the the thing is the context is the main differentiator for example when i when i say the word green what is the first thing you think of crop growing something plants 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 trees mm. nature right mm. at the same time uh, if you see disney films green is often used as a color for villains oh, right really? if you watch japanese films mm. green is used as a color of go uh, for ghosts so it it can vary a lot and same same thing with red right what's the first thing you think of when you think of red danger yeah danger is probably the first thing people will think because we are used to the red light on on the traffic light when you are driving you see mm. the red light that means you stop so mm. it's it's the most recurring color symbol that we see in our life whereas mm. you go to pizza hut or you go to mcdonalds the most prominent color is red because they have found in their studies that red tends to incite some sort of uh, hunger it makes you feel hungry so a lot of fast food brands will try to brand their uh, colors in red kfc is red wendy's is red uh oh, mcdonalds pizza hut they're all using red because they think it will work right and then red also means uh, it has romantic connotations right roses and uh, bouquets and hearts those are all red so yeah there can be multiple interpretations depend depending on what cultural background that mm. artwork is from and what time period it was made in so yeah so the answer i gave to my students in the class is that they all came up with multiple meanings for all the films right i showed them small clips of multiple films and by the end of it uh, i i stopped the projector and asked them so now tell me what does white stand for what does pink stand for what does blue stand for things like that everyone has very contrasting answers now most people have very unique answers very few people agree with each other and i always tell them all of you are right because it can be anything you want it to be mm-hmm. so but in the study of horoscope i think they specify their uh, color uh, for what reason what horoscope especially that is what i have studied long back sorry i, I didn't understand what you mean um in horoscope no in this astrological studies uh, 
Uh, every color had some you know, some connotations, specific connotations. Uh, yeah, whereas... if you read Feng Shui, they have their own thing. Horoscopes have their own oh, thing. Okay. And India has uh, Vastu, they, they have their own thing. And there's, okay. there's multiple uh, pseudo But I, I feel that, that uh, France, see, these 12 signs are common for our Indian culture as well as France, right? Hmm. Or they have other numbers of 15, 20, no, I don't know. Tala need not have astrological connotations. It can, but it doesn't mean that is the only option. So mm -hmm. there's many other backgrounds uh, that can apply to color. So, um, even so yeah, I'm not sure. The, the color but, is uh, a very yeah. broad subject and it's, it's you know, yeah. you can, I can talk for days about it. Yeah, not much to add to that. Another thing that I remembered was the uh, the the title cards. The, the title cards were also in green. It was written in green. So green is yeah, a, in a green pen, right? Yeah. So green is you know used as a motive uh, all through all throughout the film. And she also says that uh, some astro not astrologer, some medium has predicted that green was going to her color of the year or something like that, right? Right? And that's why she, you know, keeps on noticing this random occurrences of, uh, you know, uh, these cards that she finds, and also that's why this uh, the conversation around the green ray actually catches her attention when those elderly people are having that conversation. All right, uh, I think uh, we can wrap up almost eleven. Uh, anything else to add, anyone? that's about it all right then so thanks for listening in whoever is listening we'll see you next week <laughs>